You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 108 of Aging Starts Now. I'm Barbara McGinnis, certified elder law attorney and partner at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Joining me is fellow partner and certified elder law attorney, Tim Takis. Today, we're going to talk about the pitfalls of giving away your home. So true, Tim. Almost every week, somebody comes in and talks to us about they either want to give away their home or they have given away their home. And it's like they only think of life through the lens of what what they want. They don't think about all the other possibilities of what could happen. Right? Exactly. So what? Yes, you know, exactly. It's like, oh, I'm going to give away my house to my children. So what could go wrong? Yeah. Because their intent oftentimes is, I don't want the nursing home, quote unquote, to get my house or the government, quote unquote, to get my house if I needed long-term care. And they don't think about any of the other possibilities um, of something that could go wrong when with somebody else either co-owning the house Mm -hmm. or just flat owning the house from them. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are some of those things you should be thinking about before you add someone to your deed? Well, certainly one of them is um, think about why you're doing this in the first place. You know, you mentioned about, um, you know, the government's going to take my house or the nursing home is going to take my house. Yeah. And a lot of times, um, you know, we can say that, you know, that is just sort of that sort of thinking is just flat wrong. You know, in other words, you know, we've had people that come in here and we've talked, you know, and they've talked about, you know, what should we do with the house and whatever, you know, and there's the perception out there that when you, you know, if and when you go to the nursing home, the nursing home requires you to sign the house over to them. I mean, we've heard that, you know, we've heard people tell us that, well, if you're applying for 10 care or Medicaid, uh, and, and trying to get, you know, and you're in the nursing home, then the government um, uh, requires you to deed the house to the to them, you know, or that the government is going to put a lien on the property because you applied for benefits, um, you know, which is also uh, not correct. You know, Tennessee, in, in this state, Tennessee cannot impose impose a lien on a property, on real estate, if you if and when you apply for TennCare or Medicaid. So all of those sorts of things. So, so the first thing is, is that examine, examine your, um, your motivation, uh, your, your motivation, you know, and, and get some, maybe get some legal advice or do a, do a little bit of research to set, to figure out, well, is, you know, is this unfounded? You know, does this have any basis in law or fact? Do I have correct information? Absolutely. You know, sometimes people think that, well, I'm going to add my children Mm-hmm. to my deed because maybe it's as simple as when I die, I don't want them to have to go through probate. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, there's other ways to do that, right? right. That might be better than mm-hmm. just adding someone to the deed. Yes. 
And um, right. And in Tennessee, uh, one of the things we tell people is, is that, you know, people have been dying for centuries owning real estate. And somehow, you know, that property got wound up, you know, going to the next generation, you know, and they did not have to go through probate. You know, so yeah. why do you think you're different? Well, except now mm-hmm. we've got title companies yeah. that really are requiring it yeah. al- almost. It's like law hasn't changed. We still have vesting law, yeah. but it's it's mm-hmm. almost like that's not recognized by um title Mm -hmm. companies. But anyway, um, so whatever your motivation is, whatever you think your need is to put someone else on the deed to your home, it's worth having a conversation with um, an estate planning attorney or an elder law attorney to make sure that you've got correct information to make that decision um, with, right? So they know what the real uh, story is there on what will... So things that they need to think about, the trustworthiness, the credit, um, the credit, their financial situation. You know, mm-hmm. you certainly want to put, wouldn't want to. So you decide you want to put your child on the deed with you. Uh, you've got all the right information and you still think it's the right thing to do. Well, what kind of creditor situation do they have now? Um, are they married? If they're married, that might be a reason not to add someone to your deed because, mm-hmm. you know, more right. than 50% of marriages end in divorce and you don't yes. want your house tied up in someone else's divorce. Right. And don't, don't assume that, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just adding my daughter to the deed because, um, you know, if the daughter is married, you know, then, um, you know, if there is a divorce, uh, then it get it winds, it winds up in court and it may, it may result in, in the end, you know, that it's, you know, that the, that the daughter's ex-husband is sort of out of the picture, but but why why take that risk in the first place? And actually, Chris Johnson, one of the other partners here, he has a case where you know it wasn't our our legal work, but they came to us with this life situation where they put their granddaughter on the deed, and granddaughter was married, subsequently divorced, and somehow the the grandson-in-law wound up getting that house in the divorce. And it was, so he's living on the family compound with his ex-family. Um, so it's, Boy, there's a cautionary tale, isn't there? Isn't that the truth? Mm-hmm. So other things to think about might be your tax basis, making mm-hmm. sure that you don't really mess up somebody, uh, prevent someone from getting a step up because property is highly appreciating. So that's something mm-hmm. to think about. Right. Um, Gift tax, probably not so much. Anything that anybody's worried about. However, yes. Okay. You know, and I have a cautionary tale about that, uh, too, okay. is, is that um, in, in Tennessee, there is, no, um, there is no longer a state gift tax. Um, uh, there is, of course, a federal gift tax, and the federal t- gift tax could be uh, in play here, uh, but in most cases... You know, the, the exemptions or exclusions are high enough that it's really not going to catch anybody. Although, nonetheless, that's still something that you would want to have a conversation with your, you know, an accountant or some or your tax or tax advisor. Uh, but I did have a case, you know, many years ago when Tennessee did have a gift tax. Uh, then the fam, you know, the you know, when I think when the mom, you know, when a when the parent died. 
you know, the surviving parent gifted the house to the children. Uh, and then the, subsequently the, the surviving parent had to, uh, went into a nursing home, which of course created a look back period. So the property had to be gifted back. And so that resulted in payment of two gift taxes. Right. Yeah. Well, and even it, though now we don't mm-hmm. have that gift tax problem mm-hmm. in your in your scenario, but we still could potentially be looking at that five-year look back and right. a penalty mm-hmm. for the gift of the property. Yes. And and also since our hopefully our podcast goes across state lines, there are states that do have gift taxes. That's true. You know, that so so and and then I remember this one case very vividly because one of the children of the you know, one of the children in that case was a, like a CPA, you know, and they were not going to not file a gift tax return. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know that in the past, you know, that we, I mean, that's not something that we would counsel a client here at Take Us McGinnis to do, you know, is to just make an outright gift and result, you know, which would result in a potential gift tax liability. Uh, and we certainly would not advise a client uh, to not file a gift tax return, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, my, you know, my experience back then when we did have a Tennessee gift tax was that there was a lot of um, tax, I guess should say maybe tax avoidance or tax evasion, mm. you know, regrettably, even by yeah. some members of the bar, but nonetheless, but that's, like I said, that's in the past. Right. So, um, so, yeah, it could be problematic, right? People mm-hmm. mess up their deeds in all kinds of ways. Uh, usually the motives are are reasonable, yeah. uh, and there's usually a better way of accomplishing their goal. Often that involves the use of a trust, in, in my yes. mind, yes, is a better um, way of handling the, the situation. Um because there's some added layers of protection as well, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yes. it, so you trans, so you want to give your house to your kids, but instead, we may recommend that you give your house to an irrevocable trust with the kids as the beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. But with the trust being the entity that holds the property, then we have some protection from creditors. We right. obviously still have to maintain the house and pay taxes and insurance and all that kind of stuff. The elder gets the benefit of use and occupancy, um, the kids will then inherit the property at passing with step up. Right. And because, in because the meantime, of, yes. because of the way the trust is drafted, drafted. at least the ones right. that we draft. I mean, you know, you talk to an estate planning attorney, they would say the trust that they use irrevocable trust generally, you know, are, you know, where there's not a step up, but we, there, we, we call them intentionally defective trust because they're they're actually drafted in such a way that uh when the when the um uh when the grantor the person that makes the trust dies you know the trust is so they, they actually the trust assets are included in their uh in their estate, estate so mm-hmm. there is a step up right. intentionally defective is a legal term yes. but it it is sort of Somebody could have picked a better term, I guess, because yeah, it sounds man. sounds like, oh, well, we plan to make that mistake. Um, right, it's, yes. it's just a bad word. Yes, it is. But I know what you're talking about. Yes. Um, you also lose your, t- so you put the property in your kids' names. You may lose your tax relief. Tax relief. You may lose yeah. your, uh, your tax freeze. Now, the same could be true if you put the house in an irrevocable trust. So that yes. is a potential impact regardless 
mm-hmm. uh, of the scenario. But right. but that's it, that's risk management, basically all you're talking about. Yeah, it is. Do you want us to give this up to get something else? Mm-hmm. And rarely do people. Is there ever going to be a solution where folks get everything they want? You know, they want no risk. They want no, you know, complete absolution. Right. And rarely can we find a solution for them. It's about balancing their goals and needs. Yeah. And, and mostly, available. you know, mostly Barb, I think for many clients that we have conversations about, you know, what they'll have is a lot of times it's about loss of control. Mm-hmm. You know, and certainly if people put, you know, we tell people that if they, let's say they transfer cash money, money into an irrevocable trust, uh, they lose control of that money because if they ever need the money, they're going to have to rely on others to figure out how to get that money back. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a house, it's in a, it involved, when there's a real estate involved, there's less of a risk of loss of control. Loss of control is really in other ways where, like you've meant, like we've mentioned, is uh, loss of control because of creditor problems that the joint owner has or you know, those sorts of things, which, um, again, it's still about risk management by, by use the, the appropriate use of a trust. So, um, can we think of any other examples? I know fairly recently I talked with a family that bought a big happy family house. That's what we mm-hmm. call it, you know, yes. where everybody's going to live together and everybody pooled their money and they bought a huge house. Um, and, and rightly so, because there was a lot of people that was going to live in it. Mm-hmm. And they started out with everybody that contributed, uh, or was on the deed. So that's, that's totally appropriate. And all deeds are not created equal. You can have a tenants in common or a mm-hmm. right of survivorship. So however that was drafted, but a couple years into that, one of the principal owners decided that she didn't want to own the house with everybody else. And she got the other owners to just quit claim their interest to her. She didn't buy everybody out. She just got them to quit claim their interest. So that actually created a huge gift from the elder, the grandmama in this situation to the daughter. Well, and that's okay because that would, she was the nature. She's her only child. She was going to inherit the house at her passing that was okay until it wasn't okay. Mom mm-hmm. now needs public benefits and we have to do exactly what you were talking about, curing the gift by adding the grandmother back to the, mm-hmm. to the deed for the partial interest of her contribution. So, and, and Medicaid does let you do that. They do mm-hmm. let you fix your, mm-hmm your gifts, because if you need that level of care, you need that level of care. So there is a do over. Yeah. But, um, you know, but, but I would say also, I mean, in, in those situations, you know, and I, I don't, and I think none of us here at Tegas McGinnis, you know, wants to like criticize other members of the bar. Sure. But, um, if you, thinks if you're thinking about well maybe you know should i do this or should i don't you know not do this you know and you visit a lawyer maybe someone either you don't know or you know or worked with for a long time you know and you say well i want to i want to i want want to do this quit claim deed um 
there are some lawyers that are just going to be order takers. Give me the names and I'll do it. Well, that, that's not legal work. I mean, obviously, drafting law, deeds is legal work. But ultimately, if you're an attorney, uh, hopefully some attorneys will be listening, is, is that, you know, the question really you want to ask your client is, why are you doing this? What's the point here? An obligation to discuss mm-hmm. pros and cons, consequences Absolutely. and benefits, yeah. and alternatives yeah, uh, to, I mean, to you, you can pay two, you know, a few hundred dollars to get a deed, but that doesn't mean that that's the right thing for you. So, yeah. Anything Absol- else? Absolutely. Oh, there's all kinds of things we oh, can talk yeah. about, but I think that's I think that's the big stuff, don't you? It is. All right. Well, then that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Take Us McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com. Document downloads, the Take Us McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.